Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another great session of Green Nickel 101, your source for eco-friendly EV nickel discussions. My name is Leo. I'll be your host today. Hi, everyone. I'm John. And today's episode, we're going to focus on the electric anatomy, you know, EV components and features and other great discussions around maintenance and stuff like that. But, you know, what to expect, uh, you know, when shopping for our next electric car, so to speak. Yes. And what differentiates an EV from an ICE vehicle? From an ICE gas guzzling vehicle. Significant differences. Yeah. And but before we get there, John, let's quickly recap our previous episode, The Future of Green Mining. You know, we talked about ESR standards, which, you know, are environmental, social governance standards, how they play a role in selecting as an investor your next investment, and how that same principle could be used uh, with, you know, governing or managing or producing, you know, a green mining operation. Yeah, and the fact that the word green is really a kind of a catch-all for, it's a philosophy, Leo. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's a word, but it's a philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all-encompassing, governing yourself accordingly, approaching projects in a balanced manner, it may not just be about profit. It's about all these other factors that create the green initiative, right? Right, along with profitability. And you know what, John? The future of green mining is bright. <laughs> <laughs> so bright, you're going to need some shun- uh, sunglasses, some, some, some sunshades, right? There you go, right? And what was that, Huey Lewis the in the news? The future's so bright, you've got to wear shades. you got to wear shades. Okay, there you go. Well, let's jump into electric anatomy here, John. So let's talk first about the primary components of an electric uh, vehicle, right? So... Because, you know, let's face it, and the when, difference you, when, you, between, when you see a car parked mm-hmm. in the parking lot... They look the same. They all look the same. Yeah, so, you, know, yeah. you know, obviously, we're not talking about the body and the doors. and mm-hmm. the, what, what inside the vehicle is so much different than... The parts vehicle. that make it go, that make it... Yeah. So, let's take, let's take traditional thinking. Gasoline-powered engine. You have an engine that's, you know, combustible gas as a source, right? It's got a whole bunch of moving parts, some you know, explosions happening in of there. Moving parts and lots of wear, friction. Wear points, yeah. Lots of heat. Transmission. You need a cooling system. You have yeah. the oil system that actually helps cool, cool the engine yeah. down. You have uh, a cooling system that helps keep the, the temperatures in check and, and below certain temperatures. Mm-hmm. You have a transmission which basically um, changes where the power is coming from. Is it reverse? Is it forward? Is it in what gear? There's differentiation kind of gears happening, right? Mm-hmm. All that is gone in an electric car. Well, I believe it's an archaic technology. I, I, I mean, you're driving down the highway, and whether you have a four- or an eight-cylinder ICE vehicle, there's hundreds of thousands of explosions happening under the hood of your car every 10 20 50 yeah whatever every <laughs> second for that matter and uh and you know what that's you know that's part of the uh, i guess it's turned into part of the experience of having uh you know a combustive uh gas combustive engine car is like the noise and the boom boom boom, boom and the shivering and all but you know what the stuff. beauty of the human race is Leo? what is that john summarized in one word evolution Evolution, because without evolution, we'd still be an amoeba somewhere. Well, we'd be living in a cave lake. somewhere and uh, <laughs> trying to rub two. I don't think we get that far. We we yeah. wouldn't. I don't think we would have got to yeah. land. Yeah. But um, so so let's start with the electric motor, okay? Because that's the power plant mm-hmm. in an electric car. Now we can talk about one electric motor, two or three, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But the electric traction motor is, and think of this, ladies and gents. Think of. It's the same sort of idea and concept of an electric motor that drives an elevator up and down. 
same principle. You got a coil in there with electromagnetic, uh, you know, systems that basically spin uh, using electric current. Right. right. You, you can. The, the concept of the electric motor has been around for a long time, and it's and it's applicable in almost every platform of mobility that we have today. But what makes the EV so special, and what what makes uh, any form of mobility today so special is the technology that's encompassed in the battery. Mm -hmm. It's the battery and the cost per kilowatt hour that have dropped down to a point to make it competitive with the ICE vehicle. Yeah. So it's made all of this a reality. So before we get to the battery, I just wanted to focus on the engine, first mm -hmm. of all, as the power plant, as you know, what's driving the power gotcha. compared yeah. to the engine. Mm -hmm. But now that you've gone there, the battery produces the power that, you know, generates the, well, it, it stores the power that the motor will require to turn. And then there's a whole bunch of controllers. Uh, well, there's a controller well, and a controller you, set, right? I'll let you just list some of the parts. Yeah, so, so yeah, because you know what? Um, in a traditional car, let's back up here a little bit. You got your gasoline engine, you have your fuel tank, and you have your transmission, and then you have your cooling, cooling systems system, and yeah, all that yeah. and the brakes, right? Mm -hmm. So in an electric car, let's break it down the same way. We have an electric motor. Mm -hmm. We do have a battery in place of a fuel tank. Mm -hmm. And you have some controller and inverter sets that basically help with the regulation of power distribution or electric distribution among the car. Converting power from AC the, to DC. The amount of electricity that's going to the motor, telling it so when you press on the pedal... It just changes the uh, the you know the amount of power going to the engine to say I go faster or go slower. Guess what? There's no transmission. Hmm. That's why an electric car. <laughs> you've heard of uh, you know Tesla's going zero to sixty in like two two point something seconds, and I think uh, the the new Plaid uh, one can go one point nine nine seconds. Hmm. Incredible. Very Incredible. fast. So the torque is just direct torque, boom, right into the engine. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, taking a Tesla out for a demo last time, and uh, I punched, <laughs> I ended up punching the, uh, the 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 gas there. It's not the gas, but the, the acceleration pedal. pedal. And I'll tell you, uh, it whiplashed me. My glasses flew off my head and back into the back seat. It was incredible. <laughs> uh, but there's no transmission. So we can omit the transmission that would be in a gas car, an electric car. And all that's covered under the controller and the inverter sets and all that. And then... We have the electric motor, of course, we talked about. And um, and then you have the, uh, you do have some cooling systems and fans and everything. Um, to manage to keep the, the battery, temperature, battery yeah. temperatures, right? It's not the motor that gets really hot. It's the, 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 the batteries themselves can get hot. Mm -hmm. And uh, then um, going further down the list here, we have the other car components. Now, there is a transmission that well, transfers mechanical power from the electric traction motor to the drive wheels, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's it's direct torque. It's like, boom! It's a lot like they put the electric motor on the actual wheel, like very close to the wheel basis. So there's more direct transfer. No lag. No no lag. There's more power, dis quicker power, I guess, distribution to where it matters. Right. So there's two things that I find somewhat uh, revolutionary in the. Uh, EV. Uh, one is the braking system. The regenerative uh, braking system. Yes. Yeah. Fascinating because, you know, to, to go back in time again here, when you were a kid and you were riding your bike down the road, a lot of times you'd have this little 
generator on the front wheel of your car that you'd touch the generator and it would power up a simple light bulb on right. the front of your car. Right. So when you weren't home for dinner right. and your parents were mad at you, you could pedal home really fast and you had that Turn headlight on, on headlight. to be safe yeah. and you'd get home a little bit late for dinner. So a uh, simplified perspective on how this braking system works. Very Imagine that times 100. Mm-hmm. And every time you're braking in an EV, you're actually sending a current back to recharge the battery. Yeah, amazing. Another, it's yeah. efficient use of uh, what's happening in the car. They're pumping some of that power back into the battery. Mm-hmm. So that's the regenerative uh, uh, part yeah. of it. And then the other, the other thing that I find fascinating is with respect to the battery itself. Um, and the bat- what they're doing with the batteries today uh, mm-hmm. which are basically uh, encompassed in the, the, the platform of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of centered in between the four wheels, lower center of gravity, uh, which results in better performance for the vehicle. And that's just inherent in the design because yeah. the batteries are so heavy, they keep them nice and low and wide. Yeah. What's more interesting mm-hmm. is the fact that they've taken the, the function of the battery and created more than one purpose. Mm-hmm. And they created structural integrity to the battery, which cr- which eliminates the need for other forms of frame and structure, mm-hmm. uh, unibody, whatever you want to call it within mm-hmm. the vehicle. And, you know, similar to what uh, took place in the aviation industry right. years and years ago, where they thought, you know, we're going to fly this plane uh, 30,000 feet in the air and we're carrying all this fuel. And, you know, obviously your weight to uh, power ratio why don't we take these this fuel, mm-hmm. these tanks, and create some structural integrity to them? And they put the spurs in. They yeah. knocked out holes so that the stresses would be, be uh, distributed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, along the, the the spurs themselves within yeah. the wings. The beauty of engineering. And they so. got these uh, bladders that carried all the fuel inside them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so we have we have uh, you know transmission, but not in the same sense a conventional electric. Car doesn't need the same transmission that a gas-powered car does, but there is there is some other ways to to distribute that power over to the wheels. Mm-hmm. You got these DC to DC converters. You got these inverters that take a DC power. Some some components in the car need different uh, power uh, arrangements and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then you have the battery, the thermal cooling system, and then a charge port. You need a charge port because we got to charge the car some t- point, right? So level one, level two charging and DC fast charging. So, you know, you're, you can envision that uh, you have a vehicle, you, where, how, are you, how are you charging it up? You're going to charge mm-hmm. it up in most cases when it's parked in your garage. Mm-hmm. And you would either be able to charge via 110, mm-hmm. 220, mm-hmm. or there's also a lot of times you'll have a battery storage uh, facility, a power wall mm-hmm. in your house, which you can feed power back uh, DC to right. DC current. right. Okay, and then um, as far as as uh, the anxiety that is created with a lot of uh, prospective or potential EV purchasers mm-hmm. um, in Canada, Petro Canada has something called the EV Highway, where mm-hmm. every station I think that you have a maximum of about a hundred kilometers mm-hmm. from one charging station to the to the other. Right, more and this, more of these are rolling out across. Yeah, this uh, phenomenon North is taking place. All over the world, mm-hmm. so uh, you know the the we got the Tesla superchargers that are all over North America as well, Europe as well. By the way, they've just announced that they're going to open up their supercharging uh, stations to all EV vehicles very shortly. Yeah. So to me, the the 
the excuse or the anxiety of not wanting to right. buy an EV because of range and or getting stuck in the middle of nowhere is sort mm-hmm. of a defunct argument. Yeah, it'll be yeah. more dim- diminished as time goes on, yeah. and especially with better energy density uh, and also compacting the uh the structure of the batteries in more efficient ways where you can pack them more densely, closer mm-hmm. together, uh, thereby saving space and, and weight. Well, I mean, let's face uh, it. If you can, if you can go f- 500 kilometers on a charge, that's mm-hmm. going to take you most yeah, places. My, my, diesel, my diesel truck uh, will get like 800 kilometers out of it, mm-hmm. uh, out of a full tank, which, by the way, cost me about $120 Canadian to fill up Well, you know, days. then you're taking us into the yeah. next uh, topic here. And, you know, the what are cost the costs for of charging. these vehicles? Right. Well, no, not just that, but the costs of ICE vehicles versus uh, EVs. Well, let's jump and, in and, and let's just talk about maintenance costs here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, uh, you know, article here from Consumer Reports study finding uh, that electric vehicle maintenance costs are about 50% less than gas-powered cars. Better BetterEnergy.org has a great article here. And uh, the key takeaways were EVs have lower lifetime maintenance costs and lower costs overall. So mm-hmm. in my um, example, where it costs me personally $120 for a diesel uh, SUV to get filled with diesel to to go 800 kilometers i can do the same thing powered in my house and correct me if i'm wrong leo you mm-hmm. know if as you evolve between ice vehicles into evs mm-hmm. i would think that the most from from a distance and longevity point of view the diesel powered vehicle is probably going to be your most uh efficient long lasting oh yeah uh, efficient vehicle sure so you're you know you're you're you've you've transitioned into the ev world now or you right. are transitioning as right. we all are absolutely so you have firsthand knowledge of the costs on some yeah of and one of the things that motivate me to jump into ev is uh you know in the not so distant future is the fact that i can the savings just in the fuel costs alone like let alone we'll talk about maintenance costs but the fuel costs alone that 120 dollars for fill uh, tank fill up. I could probably do with like 30 bucks in electricity mm-hmm. costs overnight using, you know, where I live, we have time of use for electricity. So during the day, it's more expensive as the demand is higher in the middle of the night or starting at a certain time at the night to early mm-hmm. wee, uh, hours of the morning, which is when I'm sleeping, but my car's charging. Mm-hmm. I guess my car's, you know, sleeping as well, getting recharged. It's using the lowest cost per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. I, I could have some great savings there as what I'm trying to say. So mm-hmm. maybe the same equivalent 800 kilometers I can do for 40, 50 bucks mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Or less. Or less. Also, I don't have oil changes. I don't well, have... Let's, let's look at the maintenance. Yeah, I, I mean, there's... Yeah. So as far as the consumer report study, um, you know, EVs have this lower lifetime maintenance costs, right? And, uh, you know, so you got uh, maintenance expenses, like you got oil changes, you got, you know, of course, I'm going to need to replace my tires. Of course, I'm going to need to replace my my brakes, but even my brakes, There's because of the component. regenerative regenerative braking system, mm-hmm. when you're regenerating, it's also slowing you down. So if, if anybody's um, driven a standard car, you try very much to save your brakes by using the clutch system downshifting, yeah. by downshifting. So when I'm coming to a stop, I don't go from third gear down to nothing, like, you know, hit my brakes. I go from third gear to second gear to first gear. Yeah, you don't gear. push the clutch in and just ride the brakes. And I play right. this game where I try not to actually touch my brakes. And you can do the same kind of thing. Uh, I was uh, very rarely using the brakes. So you have some savings there as well. 
Now, what about some of the technology? I mean, um, I know we've just There's touched some really on, on cool, the maintenance, and, yeah. and, and the article will be in our uh, bio here. Yeah. So uh, there's some 50%, really... 50% is a, a fair savings. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there is this con- con- conversation around, well, you know, I heard I have to replace my battery every four years or something like that. And that's totally not true. If you talk and, you know, listen to some of these... Um, um, you know, people that are in the industry and stuff, they're saying that you should be able to get with a quality battery and, you know, a nickel X battery, um, at least eight years, you'll still have charge in it or, you know, you'll have life in it. It might be at not 100 percent, but it could be at, you know, 70, 75 percent. Well, there's been talk of the elusive million mile battery. I mean, mm-hmm. It's yet to that. come. We're waiting for it. It'll be so. here very shortly, I feel. Yeah, I mean, uh, but the million mile battery or, you know, even where we are today, eight years from now, if I were to have a 70 percent effective battery, I could continue to use that battery. Now, let's say in 10 years, I might want to change the battery. There are uh, discussions around having services that will come and or you take your car in, it'll replace your whole battery because the battery is also recyclable. Mm-hmm. So the first battery you buy, they don't exist right now. So they're pro- most likely going to need to be made. But in five, 10 years from now, we're going to be recycling a lot of those batteries and the metals and the battery metals in them. Like, the you know, the lithium, the graphite. Well, there's also second second use. Nickel. Uh, you know, the, a vehicle would probably have a more demand or more intensive draw on a battery. But you could take that battery out of your car and it could be utilized on a different platform. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whether it be in some domestic use or in a shop. Lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that for sure. So the recyclability, the sustainability of those, uh, not only the batteries, but the, you know, all the materials in them can very well find a new home. So anyway, there's a lot of great features um, that are available in electric vehicle cars that you really just don't get in the ICE engine. And they're optimizing them for aerodynamics and all sorts of great things. Well, like I said earlier, Leo, it's evolution. I mean, you know, the, we're evolving from one form of technology that's long past its prime, in my opinion, into another form of technology. And we're at the starting gate. So mm-hmm. there's a tremendous amount of excitement that's being generated around this platform. And what I find to be the most exciting is when all of these other players come into the equation. Yeah, General GM, Motors is working on a whole bunch of Ultium line of battery. products. battery, I mean, it's... I gonna, can't wait, John. I, I'm just sitting there chomping at the bit, waiting for some of these products to come out. And we're going to have to demo them and uh, give our audience members a, a, a sneak peek of what to expect. And maybe they, you know, set them up so they can go do their experience, own. Hands-on experience, yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for our spotlight. Awesome. This week's spotlight has been brought to you by Tardison Nickel. Tardison is drilling its Kenbridge Nickel Sulfide project in Ontario to expand the resource and meet the needs of the rapidly growing EV battery market. Class 1 nickel is an essential component in battery production and a critical element in the North American supply chain. The Kinbridge Nickel deposit indicates there is significant potential to expand the mineral resource estimate with additional high-grade targets at the Kinbridge North site. Tardison Nickel, TN on the CSE. Great. Our spotlight this week, we have a special guest from Highland GM in Aurora, Canada. Uh, we got Cadillac Jack. 
Uh, Jack Matson, how are you, Jack? Cadillac Jack, glad to have you here. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, guys. Thank you so much for having me on here. Oh, it is a pleasure. We're happy you made the time to talk to us. So, you know what? It's exciting. I mean, General Motors has got a whole bunch of, you know, cars and the electric vehicle side of things that they're rolling out. I've heard about the Cadillac Lyric, the new Hummer EV, and you got the, the new bolts that are coming out. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what to expect uh, when we're shopping for an EV car in 2020? 2022 and beyond? Well, there's a lot of exciting products coming out, that's for sure, and stuff that's even hit the, uh, the showroom now. Um, with uh, like basically expectations towards shopping for an electric vehicle, I recommend you definitely um, try out some different products. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they definitely drive a lot different than the typical uh, combustion engine vehicles. Uh, with They're a lot quieter, too. As, <laughs> that's for sure. And some great features, too, such as like one-pedal driving is some stuff we have now. Uh, as well as also some autonomous driving that will be hitting the market very soon. Yeah, very exciting. Talking about the autonomous driving, uh, I guess uh, that's called the Super Cruise, right? Correct. So the Super Cruise basically have cameras around the cars and they kind of have a sense of where they are. Can you walk us down a little bit of what to expect for that? Uh, you know, you're on the highway, long sort of trip. And uh, what, what, what will this uh, Super Cruise do for us? Yeah, so essentially there's going to be a button on the left side of the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Um It'll look like a steering wheel with a, basically a road underneath it. Um, Amazing. That will actually flash green uh, on the steering wheel mm-hmm. when um, the system can be activated. Um, it uses LIDAR as well as also um, information from satellites to the pinpoint location on the road. So a bit different than the Tesla autopilot system that just uses cameras and radar systems on the vehicle. Ours uses a little bit more of a... Um, using satellites to pinpoint your location so it's a little bit more accurate. Awesome. And I heard of this 000 initiative that GM is going to be rolling out. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So that will essentially be a program that GM is rolling out over the next uh, 10 years. Mm -hmm. And what the idea is, is to have zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion uh, for roads across North America. Oh, that's amazing. So, you know, first first one there, you said zero crashes. That's good. So safety first and then working mm-hmm. to uh, zero congestion and all that. So having more of a smarter traffic grid, uh, you know, communication, Internet of Things kicking in, software that will all work together to making sure we get to point from point A to point B in a very efficient now, way. Leo, I'm, I'm curious about the Ultium battery and maybe mm-hmm. uh, Cadillac Jack can share a little bit of uh, perspective. Yeah, we talked about a, the Ultium battery, yeah. right? So, Jack, uh, the new Ultium battery that GM announced earlier this year, and, uh, you know, is, is that out yet? Are they rolling them out now or are they coming out in the future? And, and what vehicles will they be in? Yeah. Well? Interested. To yeah. Know. So uh, essentially there's going to be between now and 2025, there's going to be uh, 30 new models that will be coming out with this. Sorry, did you say 30? That will be coming out with this. Three zero? Yeah, 30. Three, yep, 30. Three zero. Amazing. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, no, I just wanted to make and, sure I got um, that right. And with this uh, system, essentially, uh, what it allows us to do is you can actually have um, six to 24 different cells in each module Mm -hmm. of the battery system. Um, You can stack them both horizontally or vertically in the vehicle, depending on exactly what kind of car it is. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a performance vehicle, a truck, an SUV, uh, anything like that, and you can actually have 16 to 20 of these modules then put into these vehicles 
which can achieve a range up to 583 kilometers. Well, that's amazing. And you know what? It sounds like it's very flexible in its configuration. So it works for all the different models. Of all those 30 models, I'm sure it's designed for that purpose, right? So it's very versatile. Exactly. That's amazing. So you have your Cadillac, your Hummer, a lot of a lot of buzz, especially around the, the Hummer coming up. Can you share a little bit about the Hummer with us? Yeah, the Hummer is going to be um, our first one that's coming out with this Altium battery system. Um, it's an off-road oriented vehicle. There's going to be a pickup truck version and an SUV version. Um, both come with some crazy features, which will be um, things such as Super Cruise, the self-driving uh, tech there. Uh, however, it's going to have version two of that. So essentially what that means is you'll be able to uh, not only use self-driving on a highway, just in a single lane. However, it will automatically change lanes for you when you turn the uh, the turn signal. We have, it up, um, we have it up on our screen right now, Jack. And I tell you, it is one oh, they sexy look looking vehicle. Yeah, I want one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're a pretty cool looking vehicle, and they're going to have some crazy off-road features too, such as crab walk and extract mode. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully trying one of these out once they uh, hit the showroom and seeing what it's all about. Well, include us, please. You know, I'll tell you, as, yeah, as, sure. as, a, as a consumer uh, and a, a purchaser of cars, it seems to me, and I'm talking about the North American experience here, it seems to me that GM has taken more the most initiative out mm -hmm. of the big three automakers, the big three North American automakers. Mm -hmm. They seem to be bringing the most to the table mm -hmm. compared to their North they're American They're getting They're stepping yeah. up their game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to look forward to. Which is to great that. for consumers everywhere. So we have, you know, much more selection. And uh, and these new features are, are in line with uh, what we'd expect with, uh, you know, the future of EV cars. So what's in store for the future from your perspective, Jack? So with uh, us here at Thailand, we're pretty excited because we have um, uh, essentially we're putting, doing an investment here that's going to add a EV charging bank for our uh, customers as oh, we add uh, more EVs to our lineup so they can come here, charge their vehicle, whether they're getting service or if they mm -hmm. just want to swing by and have a charge, they can have that done here. All of them are going to be DC level three fast chargers. Mm -hmm. um, we also have uh, from a GM point of view overall. Um, you have those models that are coming out. So you have 30 different uh, EV models that are coming out. Um, they're doing a $7 billion investment mm -hmm. between now and 2025 with a $27 billion investment in total into producing and manufacturing these uh, electric vehicles. Well, that sounds amazing. Cool. So so if people want to hear a little bit more, talk to you directly about these new EVs or schedule like a demo of a new Hummer or whatever, how do they get a hold of you? So they can give us a call here, um, 905 Seven two seven nine four 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 is our uh, direct line here to our sales department. Mm -hmm. Or you can visit our website www.highlandgm.com, and on there we have uh, different information regarding all our vehicles, as well as also how to custom order uh, different models as well. Amazing. And you know what, everybody, we're going to have that uh, website link in our bio and Cadillac Jack. We would love to make sure you ask for Cadillac Jack. Yeah. And, no, I, I will add yeah, this just you. briefly here, folks. Yeah. Um, I ha am and have been a Highland Cadillac GM customer, and I just want to give a shout out to them. The two strong points, exceptional product knowledge and exceptional customer service. Well, that's 
that's a bingo both ways for me. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, test driving one of those Hummers, uh, Jack. I'm looking forward to that. Maybe we can maybe we can record it and uh, put it on our uh, future episode. Sounds great. For sure. That'd be awesome. <laughs> great, Jack. Well, listen, thank you very much. Thank you for coming in to talk to us. And with that being said, we've reached the end of the show, John. Excellent show, Leo. Thank you. Likewise, and thanks for joining us, everybody, and we hope to see you next week. Don't miss it. Let us know what's on your mind, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle's at GreenNickel101. We will answer any questions on our next upcoming episode, so be sure to leave comments and opinions. And remember, we upload new episodes every single Monday. And until next time, think nickel and and have have a green day. day. See you, everybody. Tardis and Nickel, traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange, symbol TN, or over-the-counter, symbol TTSRF.